Wyatt Earp to Elliot Ness, America's lawmen have a special place in our hearts and in Hollywood. On the latest scenic route, Andrew McRae checks in on the legend of Sheriff Buford Pusser, the famous subject of the movie Walking Tall. Julia Stevens, curator of the Buford Pusser Museum in Adamsville, Tennessee, shares the story. There was a gang originally from Phoenix City, Alabama. Um, they were kicked out of Phoenix City because the city had actually brought the National Guard in. So this gang took up state took up residence at the state line between Tennessee and Mississippi. And so um, the duo that ran this state line gang operation was Louise Haithcock and Towhead White. And um, this is where all of the illegal drugs, alcohol, prostitution, theft were going on. When Buford was 19, he had just come home from the Marines. This is where all the partying was, so he went down there to go and gamble. He saw that they had loaded dice, so he beat the guy up, and the guys took him to the back and cut him up all over his chest and stomach and left him out for dead. Beaver was taken to the hospital. He had to have 192 stitches. So this is where he learned that there was illegal stuff happening, and this is where his vengeance started to want to take them down. So even before he's sheriff, then he's in Chicago working, but he then comes back to kind of take care of things. Absolutely. Um, when he was in Chicago, he was also working at the Union Bag Company, and um, he wanted to come back down to Adamsville to the McNary County area and get a little revenge. So he had one of his friends at the Union Bag Company clock him in that day at work, and he drove down and beat a couple of the guys up who were at the state line who had cut him up all over his chest and stomach. And they took Buford to court, and the boss of the Union Bag Company came down with the time card showing that Buford was clocked in that day. And they said, no, Buford uh, was at work that day, so nothing ever happened. That was it. (laughs) He then, he's up there in Chicago, but he comes back here. Take us through them why he's kind of running for sheriff and so forth, how he becomes sheriff, I guess. Okay, Buford's dad, Carl Pusser, was chief of police here in Adamsville, Tennessee, and so his dad had gotten sick, and Buford brought his wife and his family back down to Adamsville to take over as chief of police. He was chief of police here in Adamsville for two years before he became sheriff, and um, it was just in within him to want to clean up all of the whiskey stills, um, the moonshining, all of that was going on, and so um, he just really wanted to take down the whiskey stills, and get rid of all of the illegal operations that were going on at the state line. Yeah. When he runs, though, he's he wasn't carrying normal weapons and so forth. That's part of his campaign. Buford actually campaigned to not carry a gun, so if he ever needed anything, he would go into the woods and just grab anything he could find. So that's where the big stick story originated. Well, did he always... Did he carry a stick with him, though, all the time or not? He did not carry a stick wherever he went. If he ever needed anything, he would just go into the woods and grab anything he could find. So he did not have one specific stick. But here at the museum, we do have one of his sticks that he carried around for an entire year promoting the first movie. He traveled all over the country and all over Europe carrying this stick to um, promote The Walking Tall 1973 with Joe Don Baker. So if you come to the museum, we'll gladly get the stick out for you and let you hold it and take pictures and things like that. (laughs) He, before the incident with the state line gang, though, he had cleaned up a lot of the stills even before he kills the Queen Bee. Is that right? Buford's very first year as sheriff, he took down 147 stills. So that was huge. This is where um, all of the illegal moonshining was going in, and all of this money was funding the illegal operations at the state line. So then 
take us back to when they have their run-in because he's carrying more than a stick that night, and uh, that ends up becoming a very important event. In 1966, Buford had received a phone call about a theft at the state line, and so they were about to head down there, just a typical routine to head down there, and his deputy, Petey Plunk, said, you better take a gun on this one, and so Buford did. And when he got down there, Louise Hathcock, who was owner of the Shamrock Inn, she was really drunk that night and really angry, and she shot Buford through Three times, and Buford got out his gun and shot her three times and killed her in self-defense. And so if Buford hadn't had his gun that night, he probably would have been killed. Did that then change that operation at all, or were there enough other kind of thugs to keep things running? Um, the operation still went on for a couple of years, but since Buford had pretty much cut the head off of the snake, it did die down. Within Buford's six years of sheriff, he did get rid of all of the illegal operations at the state line. All right. Take us back then to he, he and his wife, because he's almost killed. His wife's killed. Uh, when does that uh, happen? Because he certainly had a lot of folks that probably didn't like him. August 12, 1967, um, Buford and Pauline, they received a phone call about 4 o'clock in the morning, and what they thought was a distress call was actually an ambush. She was shot multiple times and killed. He was shot as well, knocking his entire jaw off of his face. And so... Um, after this ambush, Buford was in the hospital for 18 days. He had to have 16 surgeries. It took three years. And during these three years, he could not eat any solid foods. He had to eat out of a straw. His favorite thing to eat for the rest of his life was beef liver because it was one of the only things he could actually taste. I hadn't asked you before, was it normal for his wife to go with him, or was that unusual? No, um, she happened to be with him that morning because they were supposed to go to Virginia that day to visit her family, and she felt that if he went by himself, he'd take all day, but if she went with him, he'd wrap it up. So it was just her intention to just hurry him along so they could get on to Virginia like they had originally planned. Uh, after that happens, of course, he was hurt bad and has the surgeries. Did that change the way he did any law enforcement or anything? I mean, uh, that would be have to be horrible having your wife killed in that. It definitely changed him. After the ambush that killed his wife, he had stated um, in a newspaper article that we do have here at the museum that he had wished he had never gone into law enforcement, that it had taken too much away from him and that he regretted it. Yeah. What happens then after, after all of this happens? He just continues to to do his job and get rid of some of the bad guys. Absolutely. He continued to be sheriff. Um, he served three three terms of two years. And so the reason he was no longer sheriff after 1970 is because of term limitations. In 1970, he was on 60 Minutes, and a producer from MGM Studios saw him and his story and contacted him and asked him if they could make a movie about his life. And so after he was sheriff, that's when the movies came about and when they started um, directing and working on the script for the first Walking Tall movie. That gets him a lot of fame, but he also knows some fairly well-known people, too. We should work in Elvis and some of those folks. So we have a local famous musician here named Eddie Bond. He had written a few songs about Buford, and Eddie Bond introduced Buford to Elvis. And so they had met a couple times, and then they found each other again. They were on the same flight from L.A. to Memphis, and they hung out the whole time. And Elvis invited Buford over to Graceland. So Buford actually spent three nights at Graceland. And after that, they were good friends. Elvis would drive out here to Adamsville and pick Buford up, and they'd go riding around together. But that was only about the last three years of Buford's life. You've got pictures here, too, not only with Elvis, but all kinds of folks trying to persuade him to run for governor. We do. We've got a great photograph here of Buford next to Billy Graham and Johnny Cash, and they were trying to get Buford to run for governor of Tennessee. Uh, 
what happens to Buford then? Uh, there continue to be folks probably after him, and we don't know for sure exactly what happened at the end. So um, Buford decided that he did not want to run for governor. He actually wanted to stay in law enforcement. So he got together with Ray Blanton, who was running for governor on the Democratic side, and Buford said, I will support you if when you win, you make me commissioner of safety, commissioner of safety. So if Buford was commissioner of safety, he would have jurisdiction over all law enforcement. Two weeks later, he was killed. So a lot of speculation was that um, people just did not want him going that high up within law enforcement. And so they were trying to take him down. Um, he had been shot eight times and stabbed seven times. So there were always people out there trying to take him down. His car. Yeah. What about his uh, <laughs> car or that trip or what we know about it? So with the royalties from the first movie, Buford paid off this house. He bought a pontoon boat and he bought two cars, a 1974 Corvette and a 1974 Lincoln. This Corvette is the car. This Corvette is the car that he had his wreck in. There were many speculations that the car had been sabotaged, even though the official report says that it was an accident. His mom was here at the house all day, and she kept receiving phone calls from a man saying, we have to warn Buford, they're going to try and kill him tonight. And then also, the chief investigator over everything said they could not decide whether the car had been sabotaged or not, and since they were not 100% sure, they had to say that it was an accident. His Corvette had been in the shop all day. He had just gotten it back that night. So that's why a lot of people believe that the car had been sabotaged, either with the brake line or the tie rod, and that it was not an accident. Yeah. Funeral was quite large and several celebrities here. Um, yes, here at the house, um, specifically in Mike's room, there were a few celebrities that we had here. Um, well, Elvis, yeah. George Jones, Tammy Wynette, Johnny Paycheck, and Elvis Presley, they all hung out here at the house while people were visiting. And um, Elvis actually spent the night here at the house the night of Buford's funeral. What happened in this, uh, this home that he lived in, now a museum, his legacy still strong here in town? Absolutely. His mom, she lived here until she passed away in 1987, and then it became a museum in 1988. So we do have a large collection here at the museum of Buford's things, and um, it is definitely a highlight through Adamsville if you're on the way. Um. Yeah. Well, in this home, I mean, it's I don't want to say it's just a home, but it's just a home on a side street here, but yet you've got folks from probably around the world to find their way here. Absolutely. Um, I've only been here for six months, and within my six months here, we've had people from Belgium, France, Australia, Canada. It is definitely a worldwide um, phenomenon that people come to. Mm-hmm. Um, we're only two hours east of Graceland, and so we do have a lot of people that come through who've been to Graceland, and they actually prefer here to Graceland because it's more personal and they can touch things and be close up to things. So so it's a lot of fun to come through the museum. Yeah. Good. Any other things we ought to work in? Because uh, we've covered the story fairly well, but you're here and you know the story in case there is. And if not, that's fine, but I always like to ask that. The museum opened in May of 1988. Every May since then, we've had a Buford Pusser Festival. This festival, this... This May, May 15th through the 18th, will be our 25th anniversary. 
already say that. No, you didn't. That's right. Okay. But it is the 25th. Okay. Yes. Um, so this festival is our 25th anniversary. It's a big deal. It's a four-day event. We have carnival rides, food, music, car shows, tractor shows. It's a lot of fun. So uh, we'd love to have everyone come out and join us. Thanks for listening to this edition of The Scenic Route. Remember, you can catch all of our daily broadcasts, find links to our Facebook and Twitter pages, and much more at AmericanCountryside.com.